Thank you for tuning in to the Walk in Truth Radio Network. Stay tuned for an encouraging word from Pastor, Teacher Dr. James Sutton. Let's see what Pastor Sutton has to say to us today. Hello, hello, hello. This is Pastor Jay. Glad to be with you today. Hope you guys are doing fine. And I hope you guys are enjoying your Thursday. As usual, I just want to come on right quick. Not going to be on long. I want to discuss something that I thought was quite interesting that was said uh, to me. And some of you are actually being deceived by these teachings of novices. And just because they're loud and proud and able to turn a phrase, you're not going to scripture. A lot of people are, are weighing God's word based upon their experience. I want you to understand that that's called subjective. What you do is taking your experience and you're judging, analyzing, and deciding what's true and what's false in God's word. God's word is the measuring stick. God's word is the magnifying glass. God's word is the microscope. God's objective word judges, analyzes our subjective thoughts. And you say, where are you going with this? Well, uh, in my class, there was someone who said, uh, and I like discussing it over here with you guys. Someone who said, uh, uh, we were talking about the prophets of old, Jeremiah, Isaiah, Ezekiel, and we were, the discussion was in the book of Jeremiah, and we were talking about how what we see in prophecy then is not the same thing what we see now. What we see now is more fortune-telling, uh, 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 divination, because it's always addressed to individuals. And again, you got these prophets that come on social media, but they all missed uh, the, the pandemic, which was worldwide, and the scope of it. The prophets of old were exact. They were, uh, uh, there was no uh, not understanding where they were coming from because they did it for the benefit of the nation. Even if it was something that was kind of, you consider, you might consider something weird. Like Ezekiel did a lot of weird stuff, but it was to be, like God said, a sign to the nation. So what he did as a sign, a sign is supposed to be understood and understood. You're supposed to react to it. So you got Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Daniel. Daniel's prophecy uh, of the iron and the bronze and the different kingdoms that will that will come to chastise Israel has come true, with Rome being the last one, where the temple was destroyed. And today, as of today, it doesn't stand. So their level of worship is is basically over. Um, they only can do synagogue worship. They cannot do the worship of the Mosaic Covenant. And uh, so we were talking about the prophets of old, how each in each era of the nation of Israel. And I'm going to say this. I'm going to keep saying to y'all get this. The nation of Israel is not the church. We are supposed to learn from the nation of Israel. And one of the things we learned from the nation of Israel that's so simple is we need to stick close to God and do what God say. And sometimes what happens is you get a generation that understands it and it doesn't really teach the next generation. And then for they slip up, fall. And then again, we don't worry about um, um, the wrath of God, because if you're saved, 
Now that, that's a big if. If you're saved, sanctified, full of the Holy Ghost, the wrath of God is not in your vocabulary. God says he chastises those he loves. And then you're in Christ Jesus because he loves your son, his son. He loves you for accepting his son as your Lord and Savior. So the wrath of God, if it's taught to you in a way as a person who's saved, that you're still concerned about the wrath of God. Remember, he said God didn't give us a spirit of fear. And they use it so, so specific, like you're not supposed to be scared of people. That's that's really not it. There's no reason to fear God anymore because you've come under the covenant of his son, the New Testament, which is not a performative covenant under uh, with you. He performed for you. He took the wrath that was deserved to be given to you. He died on the cross of you. He was raised for your justification. And again, you're scared. You're scared that that when you do something, God's going to pour his wrath out on you. No, you you need to have a conscience of sin that an appreciation of what he's done for you on the cross. And when you have that appreciation, that'll actually help you stop sinning. There's no law that has ever stopped us from sinning. Go read Hebrews. It was never, it could never, ever take away sins. It could never perfect the man. All it could do was warn the man to the seriousness and the consequences of breaking God's law. And the breaking God's law is death. Now we know back with Adam that the death that was broken was the relationship and the body began to decay. Right. And it was so the death that we know of that, 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 that we know of is a process. The body is decaying. But the relationship was broken. That relationship that Adam had pre-fall was broken. No longer could God deal with Adam in the way he dealt with him before, but God covered him. And then he talked about as we move down the history, he gave them the Mosaic covenant to which there were sacrifices, which was a shadow of the reality of Jesus. So you don't need to be even practicing all that stuff called first fruits and stuff, because the real first fruit, the real offering, the real high priest, the real once and for all sacrifice has been done and you need to just believe in that. And the more you believe and love what he did for you on the cross, you can walk in this thing called the power of the resurrection, knowing the power of this resurrection. And then you don't have to go to delivering services. You just need to dive deeper into what was afforded to you at the cross. But I'm digressing. I'm going in a different direction. So, because <clears throat> I can't be on her long. This person said, well, and they always start off with their experience. They never start off with the word of God. They always start off with their experience. And they said, well, somebody came and told me about uh, I was doing wrong. And and I told them that we'll see if it's real, if it comes true. Uh, and um, and it did come true. And, and, and I'm as I'm listening. Here we go with fortune. Here we go with with uh, the mysticism. Here we go with individual prophecies. You know, now, again, remember what I said, we were talking about prophets that prophesy to nations that God has shown to be true. Even with Jeremiah doing uh, uh, having to prophesy uh, before and into the first part of the captivity of the uh, Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar, uh, the Babylonians, he didn't want it to happen. It got it. It was so bad and the people didn't receive him that when a false prophet came along and prophesied that it wasn't going to happen. You know what he said? He said, amen. He wanted to be wrong. Who who would want to prophesy the truth and it be negative? And see, therefore, just like then, just like now, there's a group of people when God is coming to 
to correct and give an opportunity for change through corrections, which the word of God says, that's what it's for. We don't want to accept it because you don't want to be corrected. You want to say what you're doing is fine. Where you worship is fine. The following the traditions of your church is fine. And God's trying to send prophets into the land and say, no, I don't like that. No, that's man centered. No, it's, it's not about me. It's all about you. It's all about your pastor. It's all about, it's never about me. It's all about enriching the clergy. And no, none of you, a lot of you go through that, the anniversaries, the endless build. You know, some of you guys have been in churches where you've been having a building fund for 30 years, the endless bottomless pit of building fund. And then when, when you get tired of that, then they come with the anniversaries, then they come with the pastor's anniversary and all of this stuff. Now, my question to ask you is, has your church ever given you a brand new Bible? I'm not talking about telling you to go into the library or go over here and pick up one of the Bibles out of the pews. Have you been given thousands? Have they ever given you a brand new Bible? Can you go to your church and ask them to pay your electric bill because you've been tithing and giving as you will out of your heart. And now you go to the place that you were giving to and you say, I need a uh, $500 for my electric bill. Some have those tragedy have $1,100 and you gave willingly at the point, but then your request got to be taken before a loan committee. And how many of you have been disappointed and turned out? I've seen situations where um, women, and men who have grew up in the church, pay tithes to the church, they get sick and old. They go to a nursing home for a little while. The church forgets about them per se. And then they pass on. They, 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 they transition and the children go back and say, hey, can my mother or father have their funeral here? And they say, no, they look in the books. They haven't seen them in a while. Where have they been? Well, they've been in a nursing home and the church refuses them. But they labored in the church all the time. Have you been told that money is a seed? Don't be deceived. Money is not a seed. Money is money. The Bible clearly shows the distinction between what is a seed and what is money. Because if that's the case, they had a treasury. Yeah, the nation of Israel had a treasury. Just read it. Matter of fact, Jesus spoke in the, in the treasury. And the treasury is not the storehouse. The storehouse is where they had grain, non-perishables. And guess what they were supposed to use for? Not only the feeding of the Levites, but when the nation went through a famine, that was a place that you supposed supposed to be able to go because they've been storing it up so they can feed the people. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. The people. The people. That's you. You should be the bank you're paying into, which is your church, whatever you give, they should be able to give it back to you if you need it. If you need it. But so many times, and I'm telling you stories that I know of that I'm dealing with. I deal with a lot of church hurt people because they don't want to go to church no more because they've been abused in church. They've been deceived by church. So this person says, well, it came true. And the funny thing about it is this person is rebellious. This person is rebellious. And, and and they pretend they 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 put on an air of knowledge, but but they're novices, and they're seeking the word of God to validate their rebellion, and it never does. Now think about this. So I just said the, the prophets so they are crap. They're fortune tellers. They actually go against the word of God. And do you think they're going to tell you that they're uh, mystics and necromancers? Do you think they're going to tell you that? No, they're not going to tell you that because if they told you that, hopefully you'd have enough sense. Not to follow them, because normally when when that prophet or that so-called prophet of Baal or devil come true in your life. And, and let me tell you, 
the, the, the demons can prophesy truth into your life. The lie comes from is where they're trying to lead you after where they're trying to take you, because a lot of times a lot of you guys are following these so-called prophets and princes and evangelists. And you think about it, you're enriching them. And they are prophesying the prophecies of demons over your life of knowing your history, knowing your, pro your proclivities. So you automatically, if it comes true, you give it, you give it over to them. But if you, if you, is there a scripture in the Bible that says, maybe you need to test what they're doing other than test the spirits by the spirit and by the spirit means the word of God, because he said, my word is spirit. Not your imagination, not your willy-nilly feeling in your belly. You got to test everything by the word of God. That's why he gave it to us. That's why you got the 66 books. So you could test everything. 4,000 years of history of God dealing with mankind and the nation of Israel. And then after that, the church. And now you testing it by your emotional stability. Hmm. So they said, they, they, they you know, they said the person... Told about their rebellion, and that was true. I mean, if you dealt with them on a day-to-day -day basis and dealt with them, you see that even they're, they're that way now. That's not a prophecy. Real discerning people who have honed their skins, who have practiced discernment, can can see just the, the the rebellion. The rebellion is easy to spot out, but it's always cloaked behind a smile. It's cloaked about with greetings. It's cloaked behind a hug actions are always rebellion. You know, it's one thing when you're hiding from the people that could see it and they don't really say anything, but it's a whole nother thing when somebody that's in your family sees your rebellion and tells you, hey, maybe you don't need to be teaching. Maybe you need to get your household together first. And they don't even come to church. See, God will let a heathen chastise you. That's what he did with the Israelites. Because they were being deceived. They were back to the judges, the phrase. They were doing what they wanted to do, what was right in their own eyes. And that we get to lean not on to your understanding. You know, let us reason about this together. Don't be deceived because oh, it's Thursday, the magical Thursday in all over the United States and the world. And I, I can only talk about what I know in the United States and my city. There's at least six billboards around here with the deliver service invitation that some itinerary prophet or prophetess is coming to town. Santa Claus is coming to town and they're going to tell you everything. And they're going to tell you that. And, uh, and, and, and you already know, make sure you take your checkbook and make sure you go to the ATM because the greater the seed, the money, the greater the profit. And all the prophecy. And then it usually ends up with it. Yours is coming. Now you didn't bless them now, but yours is coming. Yours is coming, but they leave town. And then when yours don't come, then what do you do? You have no recourse because that person might not be back till next year. And by then you didn't gave money to other prophets, fake prophets and stuff. And, and you don't have anything to show for uh, dealing with them. But you say, well, pastor, it came true. Mm -hmm. So now what do you do? That's the question. If it comes true, 
Now, what do you do? And you got to ask yourself, if it comes true, does that give you the inclination to keep going back? Look for them. Start following them on their Facebook page. Start following them on their YouTube page. Start pouring into them even the more. Because you've got a true prophecy. And you're following them and you're buying their perfume and you buying their cologne. You're buying their prayer cloths. You're making sure that every time they ask for some money, you go ahead and give it to them because that prophecy that you that they told was true. So I said to the person, I said, even though it comes true, the Bible teaches us that you must test it. That even though it comes true, it may be a demon or it may be somebody. It may be leading you away from the true and living God and God is testing you. Do you know what this person said? Show it to me in the Bible. Now, you got to remember, they came to me with their experience that they believe is godly. I don't do nothing but talk scripture. That's my measuring stick. That's my glass. I'm looking through scripture. I say, yeah, there's a scripture in the Bible that, that, that gives you the scenario where a prophecy may come true. And God says it doesn't mean anything because it could be leading you into false gods. And the false god that most of them leading you to now is not Moloch or they're leading to it themselves. And if they're false teachers and false prophets, they're not going to tell you that. They're going to tell you that they have this great connection to God. This is what you look for. God always listens. Think about this. God always listens to me. Just dwell on that for a second. God always listens to me. Who are you? What I see with the prophets is is the prophets are praying to God to get this burden off of them, but they have to do it because they're chosen by God and energized by God. And God and God say, you listen to me and tell the people what I want you to say. So you, you catch this pride thing, you catch this, this man-made thing. It's just so subtle because when it gets rolling in good for them, they're going to let you know, stick with me because God listens to me. And now you're ready to leave your church that you can do that you can exercise your gift in to follow someone over the internet and send them your money. And your church is over here trying to do good for the community. And I'm talking about the good churches that's doing good, really good things for the community. I'm talking about your small to medium-sized churches that are in the community, not your mega churches that are flashing the pan and they come to give out a thousand turkeys and they got twenty thousand members and then and the, and the, and the photo op come and say, look at them, they're giving out a thousand turkeys. They should give out 10,000 turkeys. Why don't they have a food pantry for every day, not just on the weekends and not just on the holidays? Got some of these good churches that's out here doing these good things and you could be a gift to them, but you want to follow what's shiny and look good because a prophecy then came true. And I know you wait for pastor. Where does it say that even if a prophecy come true? You know what? I am glad that you asked. We're going to go and I want you to get it out of whatever version you have. You got your Bibles? Do you believe me that there's a place in the Bible where it says, even if a prophecy come true, it's the, the key is where is it leading you? Because God is testing you. I bet you some of you say, Pastor, ain't no place like that in the Bible. Go to Deuteronomy 13. Deuteronomy 13. And I'm going to play it for you. I'm not going to even read it. I'm going to play it for you. All right. You ready? 
Deuteronomy 13. I'm not going to tell you what verse. You might already have it. Deuteronomy 13. And as I say, when you get it, say amen. All right. Deuteronomy 13. I'm going to get ready to play it. Here it go. And I'm playing it out of ESV. Now check this out. Verses 1 to 5. If a prophet or a dreamer of dreams arises among you and gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or wonder that he tells you comes to pass, and if he says, Let us go after other gods which you have not known, and let us serve them, you shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams. The Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. You shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice. And you shall serve him and hold fast to him. There it is. Now think about it. It comes true. Where are they taking you? Are they taking you to the cross? And they are taking you to the victory of the resurrection? Or are they slowly reeling you in to follow them? Only you know this. And now you see that the God is testing you. See, back then it was to follow Moloch and the rest of it. But for today... 2023 is following individuals. Yeah, they told you they was following that you was following a a a, 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 a bullheaded, ten-breasted, calf-footed statue. You'd run from that, but see, Satan is smart. He doesn't need you to follow that when the spirit of that is behind that person that has made told you this prophecy. It's taking you away from the God. It's taking you away from the church that you serve in. It's taking you away from 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 being kind you are fiending for it now because you want more of it it's like a drug and you know that to get that drug guess you got to do just like the drug pusher they got to present it feed you a little bit and then keep the and then then when you get hooked and then you coming back you coming back you coming back you coming back every weekend every weekend you're going to somebody delivering service every weekend you're pouring your good earned hard earned money into these systems that are leading you away from god you are or this person telling you they need to go to Africa and you have paying for it. And you can't even go down the street. They're taking your bill money. They're taking your rent money. They're taking everything from you. And they're telling you, you're going to get your sister. You're going to get your brother. And this is more for the sisters because the sisters fall for it more than the brothers. That's just a fact. Everybody knows that. Because they're appealing to your emotions. They're appealing to your emotions. They're appealing to you might be having a situation with your man and your family, your husband your kids, your job, your friends, you know, it, it, or, or your health. They are, they know this and they, and they can, they can sense that. And if they just cast a bigger net because of the internet, they can convince you to come. They talking loud. They using scripture out of context. They're telling you stuff. And again, you're falling for it because guess what? They told you when they came to your town and that prophecy came true. And now you hunting them down with a flashlight in the daytime. Some of y'all know what they're saying. And you hunt them down like with a flashlight in the daytime. You looking. Because you want more of what they said. You don't understand the covenants. With an S. And the progression of the covenants towards Jesus and the spiritual covenant. Spiritual promises that are better. When you read uh, Hebrews, you'll find out better, co better promises, better covenant. All of that better sacrifice. Once and for all, and you keep running back to sacrifice them all over again because you keep running to these false teachers, these false prophets.
You can't understand that the land contract with Israel is not the contract of the church. That's what to make the church is much better than Israel because the land contract with Israel is something to look at, something to touch and something to feel crops and, 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 and things growing and, and, and that kind of situation where the, the blessings of God that are for the body of Christ. Yes, you can get the common blessings of riches. That's common to God. He said the earth is his and the fullness thereof and all the gold is his and all the silver. Everything is God's. So the common blessing of riches is nothing for God. He gave it to Solomon and Solomon messed up. See, you know, what I taught the difference between common grace and salvific grace. Say it, salvific grace, salvific grace and its promises and blessings. In, uh, uh, and I'm going to tell you where you can find them concentrated in Ephesians chapter one. Read all of it. Take your time. Digest it verse by verse in context. One thing you're going to notice, you're going to notice there's adoption, redemption, forgiveness of sins an inheritance and a promise sealed Holy Spirit that will be, you seal you to the day of redemption. And then in Romans, it talks about the, knowing the power of the resurrection. Guess where you get all of that in Christ Jesus. Because in, in Ephesians chapter two, it talks about the way you, it gives you the good that you have. And then it goes into what you've been delivered from. All of chapter one tells you the good that you have in Christ Jesus. Those of us who are saved, sanctified, full of the Holy Ghost, no matter what financial, economic, social condition that we're in all over the world, we have this. Those who are rich and don't have Christ don't have this. Those who are poor that don't have Christ don't have this. This is only for blood bought brothers and sisters. So why you need a prophecy? You got it all. Paul said you got it all. But what you want is more material. What you want is more status. What you want is more bling bling. And you measure your relationship with God by coveting and looking at somebody else. And he said, thou shall not covet. Where's that prophecy sending you? Now, if it's a prophecy, prophecy that drives you to Christ. Hey, I'm all for it. I don't despise prophecy. I just despise the game that's being played. And if you if you of age, you in your 40s, 50s, or 60s, and 70s, you already know the game. You just don't want to admit it because you're so invested in it. You're so invested in it. And what happened is with the COVID, you some of people, and I, and I talk to a lot of people every day, and I counsel a lot of people, and it's their, they consider themselves church hurt. They use COVID to opt out of church. And that was a chance to escape without uh, retribution. Without the phone calls, without the bill collecting calls on your ties. Well, God let them escape so they can go to somewhere that can that they can really be used by God and be a blessing to the people. But they're scared. Scared of being deceived. They're scared of being used. And the answer is, if, if, if this is for you pastors that may listen to this, let them come into your church. Let them sit there. In freedom. 
Show them the love of Christ. Don't, as soon as they walk in the door, make them stand up and talk at the end of the service. If they don't want to talk, offer it to them. Don't call them out and let them sit there and let them digest what's going on because they shell shocked. They got PTSD. They have insane church brain syndrome disease. And you got to slowly bring them out of it. You got to let them sit there week in and week out until they get comfortable with the people that's in your church. That's not bombarding them and telling them, asking these questions as soon as they walk to what church you go to. Because they already know what that leads to. Then that means you come go join our church. Let them figure it out for themselves. Let the Holy Spirit that's in them work on them through seeing your kindness and your patience so they won't be deceived. They, they are scared about being deceived again. How do I know this to be true? Because I got some reforms, 50, 60, and 70 year olds in my church that God has blessed me to be a servant of. So we don't, we don't, we don't, we don't, we, your pastor don't understand that serving him. He's supposed to be your servant. The Bible's opening to them. They're never, they're saying they never had their eyes opened. And it's not me opening their eyes. I'm just teaching line by line and verse by verse, explaining it to them, expounding it to them, properly using it not to control them, but to free them. Come a little closer. And this is just interesting for me. Now, I ain't telling you to do this with your pastor. We don't even have offering time. Don't get up, get up, get up, get up. I know some of y'all fainted. We don't even have offering time. But we get offerings. You say, what's the trick? It's no trick. There's a small little box in a small little corner. It's not decorated at all. It's just a wooden box with a slit in it. And it has a little lock on it. And my motto is, I want to get saved people thinking and thinking people saved. I want to get saved people thinking and thinking people saved. And I was told by a true man of God, if you teach the right thing and they see what you do with the money and see that you want to pour back into them with their money that they sold it to, no matter how little or how small as the church as a whole, then they will see the value in your ministry. But when it's all about you, getting them geeked up, stoked up to receive the drug of adrenaline. Somebody's going to wake up. I watched a, a church go from 200 to 30. It took a while because God was trying to work with them, but it went to 230 down to zero. They're closed today. And when you ask some of those members, what did this pastor teach you? They say they can't even think of it. Think about it. 30 years of the ministry. You've been doing church stuff, the traditions and the rituals and all of that. And you don't know how to explain a passage of the Bible. What did he teach you? He It's called churched. C-H-U-R-C-H-E-D. You're churched. And you might be churched and not saved. Uh, I'm going to suggest a reading for you. You can get it on YouTube. It's called The Screw Tape Letters by C.S. Lewis. Please listen to that. Please take a listen to that. I'm not going to tell you what it's about, but it's worth listening to. C.S. Lewis is a very bright Christian writer. And those who have discernment will get what the letters are about. You're going to see the enemy, how it decides to deceive us. See, the enemy can deceive you because you're churched. 
You never you go you go after the religion, you go after tradition, you go after all the things that the trappings of church has, and they never push you to a personal relationship. Have you been told that you always got to go through them to get to God? Well, what did Jesus die for? The middle wall was broken down. There's nothing between you and Jesus, between you and God the Father, except you. The blood is covered, and now you can come boldly before the throne of grace. But you, they'll preach the throne of grace that you can come to and then tell you you can't come to God unless you come to them. You want to start a ministry God has put on your heart. You have got on your heart. You want to try something that's good and, and godly for the people. And God has put it on your heart. And you're going to go to them for confirmation. You go ask the lesser for the greater put on your heart. So many ministries end up in the graveyard because they were waiting on that pastor or that prophet or that evangelist or that apostle to give them the green light to do something God has told them to do. Do it. Try it. If it's not for you, God is not going to punish you. If you're doing something that's good, you mean you you worried about God punishing you? You worried about the wrath of God coming down on you and you're trying to feed the homeless? You're trying to clothe the naked? You're trying to take care of the elderly? And you're looking for uh, 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 approval? Man, you can't be that. Yes, you can, but you, come on, y'all. The church every corner, but it ain't God's church every corner. And it has nothing to do with size. It has something to do with the maturity of the saints. Again, ask yourself, you belong to a church. Have they given you a brand new spanking Bible? Do you are you have do you have access to everything your pastor studies from? Or does he kind of keep that a secret? Any book I buy, I buy them. We don't have 15 different funds. We have one fund and out of that fund, we fund everything we do and we do a lot. They get every reading material I get. If they want it, they can have it. And guess what? It comes out of what they've been giving. We don't create an extra fund to do anything. Even when we have our banquets to celebrate the work. Here you go. We celebrate the work that we have done. We don't have them every year. If I feel that we haven't reached our goal as far as the work towards the community. So what do we celebrate just to be celebrating and make it a tradition? No, we celebrate when we've actually wholeheartedly done the work. The Bible tells us if you grab hold to this plow, the plow that I'm talking about and look back, you're not fit for service. You're asking God to use you. I just did some on my YouTube page, Walk in Truth Radio Network YouTube page. And you, it's on Facebook, too. And on on. Uh, Instagram, walk underscore in truth, Dr. James Sutton. Uh, I just did something on uh, being fit for service. And I'm actually doing a two-part series on breaking generational curses once and for all because they keep running back part where it talks about the generational curse to the third and fourth generation but if you notice they never read that next verse when God says he's going to bless you for a thousand if you obey him and then you go to Ezekiel chapter 18 and read that and he says no more no longer am I going to do this 
But the only problem is the trick, the tr it's not a really trick, but if you pay attention to what he says, he says, no longer I'm going to hold the, the things against the father, against the son. He goes into this thing of if you do right, uh, if, you, if, if your father does wrong and you do right, your right is going to be accounted to you. Then he says something that, that threw me. It said, if you do right and then do wrong, your right is not going to count for you. You're still going to die. You can't win. See, the old system, Mosaic system, there is no winning. It was supposed to drive you to Christ, drive you to the Messiah, drive you to the one who kept the commandments, who did what was right, who was holy enough to be the, the once and fall sacrifice. We're blessed for a thousand generations, not because of our work, because of his work. We could it's, it's point out there, do it and see what happens. The Old Testament is Jesus Christ concealed. The new the, the Gospels are Jesus Christ revealed. And the epistles are Jesus Christ and the Old Testament explained. And in the old in the in the epistles it says, There's none righteous, no, not one. There's none that seeketh after God. And then we get to Romans 3 23, and it says, We have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And then Paul says, Oh, what a wretched man that I am, who can save me? And then in Romans 2, 3, and 4. It says, don't you think that God is slack or slow? And I'm paraphrasing now, it's slow. But don't you know that the goodness of God of forbearing your sins and giving you an opportunity to repent should lead you to repentance, a change in direction? And you can only change direction if you're in Christ Jesus. The law can only punish, but Christ can save. And your love of who saved you will drive you to do what's good, right, and holy. You know the song, love should have brought you home last night. Love leads you to Christ, but it only leads you to Christ if you understand that the condemnation that you're under, that's in Ephesians chapter two. All that you have, that you can have in Ephesians chapter one only comes when you understand right now, if you don't believe in Christ, the way he said, the way he wants and and, and, and the way he has put it in the Bible, not this 2023 where you're compromising the word of God. He even says in John, read John 3.16, read John 3.17, read John 3.18 and 19. And it says that they are condemned already because they don't believe because their deeds are evil. Believe in what? The truth about Christ. Yes, God is love, but he's also. He is also righteous and holy and just when he pours out his wrath on those who reject the love of his son. You don't go to hell necessarily because you are a sinner and be disobedient. You go to hell because you don't re receive and accept the love that should change you to stop you from doing some practicing sin. You can be free. You can be delivered just by believing the truth, but they keep taking you back. They keep taking you across the, 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 the salvation of the gospel and taking you back behind the veil of the Old Testament. And he tells you, Israel, 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 Israel. There ain't no such thing as spiritual Israel. There's Israel. And then if we are a new creation, Israel is an old creation. So how are you Israel and the body of Christ? The body of Christ was a mystery. They couldn't see the body of Christ. All they saw was a Davidic mountaintop to mountaintop. That's why if you read the Gospels, 
the, the disciples, them poor men, they were confused. They watched all this power and all this power hung on the cross. And they didn't understand the power that they saw was nothing compared to what he achieved by going to the cross for you. He broke every curse, every chain, everything at that cross. And you keep going back behind the veil. In front of the veil. And then these pastors put the veil on you to have to come through them. See, I preach freedom. That's been the that's been the, the keynote speak, the uh the keynote word from from the Egypt from the Egyptian captivity. Let my people go. Whatever's holding you back, well, even if it's your pastor, let get away. There is a church that, that will teach you freedom, will teach you the word of God, line by line, verse by verse, versus jumping all over the place. Well, you will get a whole book. It may take two years to teach one book, but you'll get a thorough grounding understanding. And then the Bible will become smaller to you. The Bible will not be a mystery to you and you will be less likely to be deceived. We read so much scripture in church last week. Man, because I wanted to, I, I wanted to set the foundation to get them free from this this belief that they're that they are saved, sanctified, and full of the Holy Ghost, and and can be under a curse. Now, what you're under is you have to take personal responsibility for every decision you make, and some of the decisions you made when you weren't saved, because really you want to get saved from the penalty, and you did get saved from the penalty of your sin. The never having relationship with God part. But there is a natural consequence to bad decisions. Maybe jail time. It may be losing a job. And God didn't deliver you from that. But that's what you want to be delivered from because you know that relationship thing. That's future. That's so far in the future. You can't even conceive that you won't have a relationship with God. But you really want immediate absolvement from bad decisions. Let me go and tell you a pastor. And I'm going to tell you that. You might not get that. You may have to deal with the natural consequences of the seed you planted that came up. A weed. Yep, you might have to deal with that. But you know what? God can give you peace and rise above that. And you can accept that because you now, instead of looking for somebody to blame, like Adam did, instead of you them, them tricking you to it's the devil in your life, you understand it's you. And the day you take personal responsibility for the bad decisions you make is the day you can be delivered from them and deal with the natural consequences and never have to deal with the spiritual consequences because they've been paid for. And now, if you make a decision based upon what, what it was paid for, the bigger thing and love it, now sin has no more dominion over you. Now, uh, uh, there's no more condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. That's a definitive statement. If you're not condemned, you can't be cursed because the worst curse that you could be under is be condemned. I'm trying to make it real simple. So go ahead, take your money this weekend, back in your pocket, go help somebody. Don't say it's Corbin. Don't say I can't help my mother and father because this money's for the church. Jesus condemned that. The widow of Mike story is not about Christ because he hadn't died yet. The, 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 I'm going to give you something. The Gospels, even though it's labeled the New Testament, the Gospel still is under operation of the Old Testament. The New Testament doesn't begin. The new will doesn't begin. The will doesn't begin of the promises until the death and the resurrection. 
So that's why Jesus was sitting out and he's looking and he was observing. He made a, a observation of the widow's might. And if you read all through the Old Testament, they were supposed to take care of the widow. So a widow should never listen, looked at the word, read it real slow. It says she gave all on the line, all that she had to live on to a system that was not the house of prayer system that took advantage of her, a system that made her believe that if she give all that she has to give on, she's going to be blessed. And we don't see that God makes Jesus makes an observation. And then they go into how great the temple looks. And then Jesus pronounces judgment on the temple. He says, now one stone will be laid upon another. And guess what? God. That this is coming to an end. No more bulls, no more goats, no more feasts, no more. None of that. It's coming to an end. This has become an apostate. And the, the focus of their worship is the building. And the money and it comes down. And it's until today, 2023, there is nothing there but a little wall, which they call the wailing wall. Nothing there. Each time God chastised the nation of Israel, the temple got destroyed. It was worse and worse. When Nebuchadnezzar destroyed it, it was just, you know, uh, there were some gates left up. There were some, you know, you could see the see where stuff was. It just was, it was just torn down, raggedy looking like a dilapidated building area. But when Rome did what they did, it was flattened. It was over. Okay. Now with that knowledge, as so you won't be deceived, if we know this as the body of Christ and we have all this history, Romans 15 and four, read that. These things are written four time for our what? Learning. Okay. What are we supposed to learn from their activity. And I want you to think about that. And how much more. As the real church, the visible church and the church, are we going to be held to a higher standard because we have the true sacrifice? We have the better promise. We have everything better. And then we trample underfoot. What God has given us. Act like them chasing after the world. Trying to be carnival type atmosphere in the church the carnival maybe somebody catch a carnival it it comes out of the word same thing word carnal it comes out of carnal carnival indulgence pleasing the flesh heightened sensitive to your touch feel smell and hearing and just because you taste the word of God don't mean you digested it. That if you taste it and fall away, you give an opportunity, you have every opportunity and you make a conscious decision to fall away. There's nothing else. There's no there's no more sacrifice. There's no more sacrifice. Bulls and goats thing is over. There's nothing you can do. Quit taking red paint and and and, and conflating. Red paint into the blood of Jesus, put it all over your walls and stuff and your and your, and your olive oil. Quit doing that. Do you really believe the devil's spirit of that? Do you I mean, do really? Do you think he can penetrate? Do you think the biggest thing he wants you to do is not accept Jesus Christ and what he done for you on the cross? The salvation. He don't care if you plaster your house in olive oil. 
And some of these religious folk that I've met, most of them, they're some of the meanest, self-righteous, unforgiving people in the world because they want to practice their religion. If you don't practice the religion the way they practice their religion, then they condemn you and you going to hell. But they'll never give their enemy a cup of water. You can dress church, but it's a whole nother thing to be the church. All them fake hugs with the knives in their hand. You, you felt them. Fake grins, them fake hellos. They're not concerned about you. All they're concerned about is, is did you put your tithe in? Pastor calling you before you go on vacation. Did you send your tithe in? Excuse me. You can't wait till I get back. What, what, what's going to happen to me if I don't send my tithe in? <coughs> See, that's the deception. They, they'll never, some of them will say it, but some most of them won't. But the, but, but your mind start working is something's going to happen to me if I don't do it. That's witchcraft. Only thing I can guarantee if you don't accept the Lord and Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are condemned to hell. I can guarantee that. Unless you come to, up through the narrow gate, you're, you're condemned to hell. I don't care what they say. Okay? You're making choices. And if you make the choice using the word of God as your as your boundary and your measuring stick, and you still making choices based upon you uh, distorting the word of God and doing what you want to do and, and, and coming the way you want to come and all that stuff. And yes, liars, thieves, fornicators will not enter into the kingdom of heaven. The practices of those things are in the kingdom of heaven. I'd even say uh, homosexuals. So you can't say I went with that like most of them do. Fornicators, thieves, liars, adulterers, and homosexuals. I don't care what they tell you. The gospel is the inclusion of the gospel of the devil. Mm-hmm. Yeah, God is love, but there's some things that he hates. Read what he hates. See, even his holy, even his hate is holy. Because he is holy. His wrath is holy. Because he is holy. And his forgiveness is holy. Because he is holy. But you need to turn. Heterosexual fornicators need to turn. Okay? How do I know? Because I was one of them. I was the chief of sinners. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's why I know you can turn when you when you when you realize the danger that you've been delivered from. If I say the word chemotherapy, you know, that's a therapy for people who have cancer. But guess what? When I say chemotherapy, somebody that got cancer, that's they look at that as their lifeline. They look at that as their lifeline. So Thursday. I don't know what time it is where you at in, in the United States or around the world. But I tell you what. Go to God in prayer and test what I'm saying by the scripture in context. Some of you don't understand what the word context means. Please look it up. Context, 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 context. It's not important what you think God is saying. It's important that you get what God is saying to you. I'll say it again. It's not important what you think, what you feel about what is said. 
out of context. It's important that when God wrote that letter, when he wrote those scriptures, when he had it penned by men, he said, look, I'm trying to teach you something. You need to dump everything you know and learn what I'm trying to teach you. Correction is going to bring rebuke. It's going to bring proof. It's going to bring instruction and righteousness that you can be furnished to, to really do this word. You've been asked to be used by God. And if you know what I know, some of you don't ask that. But you don't really understand what you're asking for because you're asking to be rejected. You're asking to be talked about. You're asking to not be invited to the barbecues because the truth that's in your mouth is going to be so strong. Because if it is true, you're not going to have many friends. You will lose family members for the truth. The Bible tells us that. When you come in with this truth, you'll lose people that are close to you, that want to keep you in darkness because they in darkness. And when you start recognizing their darkness, they don't want to accept you because, and because they'll say, aren't you a hypocrite? And you say, nope, I accept my responsibility for my darkness. I'm not blaming no generational curse. I'm not blaming on my mom. I've made decisions because you know what? Two people grew up in the same household that is hell. And one decides not to, and to live that way. And the other one says, I'm going to double down in that life. But what made the difference? Decisions. I've seen it happen with people that's not saved. Decisions. One going to do great things. The other one says, I, I, I didn't think that it was so bad. So they double down. I had one person say to their mother that had two, she had two, two children by different fathers. And one, one of the young ladies said to their mom, when they call themselves checking their mom, now, she's not married either. And she says to her mom, at least I'm having my children by all the same, by one man. But she's not married to that man. So, so what her daughter did was take what she did and say, it's better to continue to fornicate and have children and have by one man. You see how what we get our, our, our sin makes us? So she threw that in her mother's face to make her mother shut up. Then the other daughter had one child. Put out, put out of way a lot. But they made that decision. They made that decision. And sometimes we have to understand our children are going to make decisions that are contrary to the gospel, that, that in the love and the salvation that we have <coughs> been born into through the Holy Spirit. And they remember when. And that's just a consequence of, of your decisions. And it has ripple effects in their life, but it can change. So the change thing that happened to you, that changed whenever you change, whether it's 40, 50, 30, whatever that started you on the right path, the same God can do to them. You just be, even if rejected, what God has called you to be in front of them. Don't be of God. And then gossiping on the phone and they see it. Because at that point, you're even worse off because you become their stumbling block. Some of you believe that, that you're checking the thing, coming to church. You got one attitude when you come to church. And if I talk to your family, which I've done with several, because some of these times these children get so frustrated with their parents being double minded and being a hypocrite. They come and tell me. And they like they don't want to be a part of nothing like that. And I can't blame them. I wouldn't either. Either you win this to win this or you not. 
You can't straddle the fence when it comes to Jesus. Either you're going to accept him wholeheartedly for what he's done for you and get away from his wrath, or you're going to play the game, think he's safe, and you're going to lift your eyes up in hell. That's it. He loves you enough to die for you. There's no greater love than this, that one man should give his life for his friend. And he gave his life for his enemy because while you were still yet sinners, Jesus died for you. But your end is you got to believe in God to accept it and walk in it and unpack the cross every day and unpack the power of the resurrection every day. So you won't sin against God. It's the love of God that stops you from sinning, not the law. The law is sitting there waiting to condemn you, but the love of God is there to set you free. I was on here longer than I should have been. I was supposed to be in a meeting. And I, and I know there's some people that want to come up. And uh, I'm sorry. I, the chance. So, uh, you guys have a, a good, great day and enjoy yourself. Check out my YouTube page, Walk in Truth Radio Network. And I will talk to you guys later. Thank you for tuning in to today's teaching. We hope you have been inspired and encouraged. Please look in the description box for our contact information. All are welcome and we look forward to connecting with you soon. Be encouraged, blessed and at peace and remember Walk in Truth.